Hello, hello everybody. Today's episode is going to be really special because I want to dive really deep into what abuse is. There's a lot of people, including myself, who are very confused about what is abuse. You might feel like you're being abused, and then when you look it up online, all the examples people give don't seem to fit your situation. So today we're going to talk about what else is abuse. Welcome to Through the Fire, a podcast about how to live life while experiencing emotional abuse. Each week, I'll share my experiences with you, and we'll break down the lessons I've learned and help you apply them to your own life so that we can all start living with joy and purpose while learning how to keep ourselves safe and sane. So the first one I want to start with is financial abuse. Now, there are some typical characteristics about what people tend to think financial abuse is, such as giving you an allowance, monitoring what you spend, uh, taking your paycheck from you, not allowing you to, um, to use money or accounting for every penny, um, stealing your identity, using your name, your social security number to take out credit, stuff like that. But what else is financial abuse? In my situation, I don't really have that going on. So it was hard for me to identify that financial abuse was happening. You might be experiencing coercive control coupled with financial abuse. This is going to be things like convincing you to put something in your name. So usually when people talk about abuse, they say they like force you to put something in your name. But convincing you to do it is also not right. Another way that they do it is saying things like, hey, can you just put this on your credit card and I'll pay you back? And then they supposedly forget to pay you back. Or when you ask for money to pay for it, they start a fight. So they always find a reason to get you to pay for something and then another reason to not pay you back. They insist that you put things in your name, such as making big purchases that they promise to pay for that you can't afford the payments on your own. Basically what that is, it's like a trap. They know that you can't afford that bill on your own. And since it's in your name, you need them to give you the money to pay for it, right? That's abuse. That is not something that healthy people do. They don't force other people to be with them or trap them. So moving on from financial abuse, let's say verbal abuse. This one is one that always gets me because... They say things like, oh, they call you names, they put you down, they yell at you, they scream at you, they intentionally embarrass you in public. Like, these things are not things that I experience, and yet I still feel like I'm receiving emotional and verbal abuse. So what else could be considered emotional and verbal abuse? Well, things like creating confusion, constantly creating confusion on both ends. On one end, they can act confused as a way to manipulate you into feeling guilty or trying to explain yourself or changing the subject. And another way they use confusion is to make you feel confused so you can't get a handle on what's actually going on. They, they make you doubt yourself, your experience, your reality. A lot of people call this gaslighting. This is where they basically try to convince you that what you're experiencing is wrong in some way and that you need to believe them over yourself, which kind of sounds crazy, but it's very effective. They twist your words or they use something called word salad in order to not answer a question. 
For example, if you ask them a simple yes or no question, this happened with me the other day, he was late coming home. I said, were you late on purpose? And he said, why would I do that? Who does that? Why would anybody do that? What's the point of that? And he started throwing out all these questions and saying all these things that were were related to what I had said, but didn't actually answer the question. So he said, why would somebody do that? And I said, I don't know. Did you do it though? And that's the thing that most people don't do for abusers is they don't press them to actually answer the question. They accept these like weird workaround words that kind of sound like they're answering a question as an answer. And what they do is they come to a conclusion themselves. So if you ask somebody, did you do this? And they say, why would I do that? What person in the right mind would ever do something like that? That's horrible. You and your mind make up, say, well, if that's the way they feel about it, then they must have not done that. That must be a no answer. But they never said no. They never said, no, I didn't do that. So those are things to be very, very cognizant of. Be aware of that kind of stuff. Using words that sound like they're answering your question when they're not actually answering your question. It's a very effective way to divert the attention away from themselves. Other forms of verbal abuse and emotional abuse. Verbal and emotional abuse are very closely tied together. Other ways of doing this is through sarcasm. Uh, Saying things like, I was just joking. Or you're too sensitive. Like, I didn't mean it that way. Making subtle jabs, things where your feelings are hurt, but you constantly question yourself, well, should they be hurt? Am I overreacting? If you're constantly asking yourself, am I overreacting? You're probably not. Saying things like, I just don't really think you have it in you to X, Y, Z. Like, I don't really think you have it in you to keep a clean house. Or, yeah, I just don't know if you really have the qualities of being a good mom. Or... My favorite from my relationship was, you know, you just like sex so much. I don't think that you're going to be able to be faithful to one person. Totally ridiculous. Absolutely not true. Super hurtful. And yet it really made me doubt myself. It really turned me off to the whole situation. Another verbal and emotional abuse tactic is a lack of trust. Now, I know a lot of people have trust issues based off of their past traumas, but a lot of abusers will use a lack of trust as a way to abuse you. They accuse you of things that you're not doing. They're constantly trying to get you to spill the beans about something that you actually haven't done. They have amazing ways of making you feel guilty over things that have not occurred or that you didn't intend to do. These are all forms of emotional and verbal abuse. And of course, we have to touch on physical abuse. Now, here's the thing about physical abuse. A lot of people think that physical abuse is like the end-all be-all of abuse, that emotional abuse is just emotional abuse or it's just verbal abuse. At least he's not hitting me. Here's the thing. Abuse is all about power and control. And your abuser will use whatever technique that it takes to keep you where they want you. If they can accomplish this just through words, then they will do that. And if they find that physical harm or the threat of physical harm is more effective and they're more comfortable with it, then they'll use that. It's just another form of manipulation and control. So when I was growing up, my dad used to tell me one time, if a man hits you one time, you must leave. And I agreed with that, but I never really understood why he was saying that. Like, 
of course why he's saying that is because he doesn't want me to get hurt, right? And that I shouldn't put up with that and blah, blah, blah. But what it means on a deeper level is this, that one time is enough to make you realize that the threat of physical violence is always there. If they're capable of doing it one time, they're capable of doing it again. And sometimes abusers only need to do it one time in order to put so much fear into you that you will comply with their insane demands. Okay, I hope that makes sense. I hope that is very clear that one act of physical violence, sober, drunk, high, whatever, one act of physical violence puts it deep in the back of your mind and your subconscious that they are capable of this. And even if you are consciously saying, yeah, but I'm not afraid of them, there is still way back deep in your brain the knowledge that on some level they're comfortable doing physical harm to you. And when I learned that, that's when I actually started getting really scared because in my situation, it was, oh, well, he's only like that when he's drunk and he's only been drunk a couple of times. But I know like if he's comfortable doing that, that if he's going to go get drunk because he's upset with me, then it's always in my mind that I need to do whatever it takes to make sure that he doesn't get upset so that he doesn't go get drunk and come back and harm me right? That that threat of that happening is always present. That is always an option, that he's not above doing that. And if he needs the booze as liquid courage to physically abuse me and he's upset enough, he will do that. And that's where you have to be really careful. That is why people say once is enough and that you have to leave the first time they physically harm you. Because even if they never physically harm you again, there's still an enormous amount of abuse happening and emotional abuse is so much more damaging than physical abuse. Your body will heal, not always, depending on how severely they harm you. Hopefully they don't kill you. But the emotional wounds stay with you forever and it takes an enormous amount of work to overcome that and to be able to live a happy and healthy life once you've experienced that type of abuse. And I hate to burst your bubble. All physical abuse comes with emotional abuse. Not all emotional abuse comes with physical abuse, though. So even if you're not getting physically harmed, does not mean that you're not in an abusive relationship. And also tied into physical abuse is sexual abuse. Sexual abuse is a type of physical abuse. They are using harming your body as a way to control you. Now, when you look up sexual abuse, you're going to find things like unwanted kissing or touching, unwanted rough or violent sexual activity, rape or attempted rape, uh, refusing to use condoms, like getting you pregnant against your will, things like that. But there's also another side of sexual abuse. And the other side of sexual abuse is using sex as a manipulation. This is going to be like putting down your sexuality to make you feel guilty for being a sexual being, and then getting on your case for not wanting it. They can withhold sex and affection as a manipulation to get you to comply with their demands. They can play hot and cold based on your compliance and use sex as a reward for when you do what they want and then not giving it to you as a way of punishing you. So sexual abuse isn't always forcing sex on you when you don't want it. It can also be withholding sex from you as a form of manipulation. 
So what do you do when you're in a relationship where you know something is wrong, but when you go searching for answers, you don't find any, right? This is what I experienced for years. I say, I know I feel abused, but all of these people that are saying this is abuse, I'm not experiencing any of that, right? I'm getting the sarcasm. I'm getting the withholding, the withholding, not just sex, but affection and love and information and intimacy. I'm getting like the subtle jabs, the sarcasm, the, the manipulation, but it's so covert and he does it in such a way that it's so easy to deny it, right? We talked about plausible deniability in some of our other episodes. This is the idea where whatever they do, they always can go back to, oh, well, that's not what I meant or you misinterpreted it, something like that. So when you're experiencing this type of abuse, it's called covert abuse. Covert means it's hard to detect. It's easy to hide. It is like really challenging to identify it. You're left doubting your perceptions. You're believing that his behavior is okay, but your response to it is wrong and that you're the problem. You get caught up in this cycle of blaming yourself and thinking that if you could think different or if you could be different, then things would get better. So you start twisting yourself into a pretzel, bending over backwards to try to accommodate them and to change and to be better and to be more easygoing and to have a better sense of humor and nothing works. And your relationship is still rocky and you're still fighting all the time. It's because you are not the problem. This is you internalizing his voice in your brain. That is what the problem is. It destroys you on the inside. Your relationship feels like a roller coaster. Things are great. Things are terrible. Things are great. Things are terrible. And you think, if I can just hold on to the good times, things are going to be okay. Things are going to be better. The longer you hold on, the more crazy you feel. The more uneasy you feel. The more you're emotionally tormented right? These, these covert tactics are so insidious and dangerous. And the best way to, to identify this, to diagnose this, is that if you're wondering if you're being abused, you probably are. Because people in healthy relationships don't go searching for, am I being abused? What is abuse? What am I experiencing? They don't feel confused and walking on eggshells. They don't feel like that any little thing that they do could set off their partner and they have to be afraid of them. Normal, healthy relationships are not full of fear and anxiety and stress. And I wanted to give you some other signs that you can watch for to identify covert abuse. Things like condescending or patronizing tone of voice. This is where they act like they're, they're better than you and they're so much smarter than you and you just don't know and that like, it's okay, you're just a little stupid. If you ever feel like that, that's a good sign. Um, that their vocal tone doesn't match the words that they're saying. So it sounds like they're saying one thing, but the words are saying something else and you're very confused about what to pay attention to. Do I go off of the meaning that it sounds like they're saying or do I go off of the words that they're saying? If you go off the meaning and the feeling you get, they're probably going to say something like, you're misinterpreting me. That's not what I said. And you're left very confused. If they act superior, if your gut is telling you that something is wrong, you're feeling uneasy, smirks, frowns, shrugs, facial expressions, things that they can easily deny or say that you're misinterpreting. Uh, Body language, sideways glances, eye rolling, scoffing, Uh, huffing and puffing, flashes of things on their face. This one is so important. They're called micro expressions. They're things like if you're in a fight and it looks for a moment like they're smiling, 
And you think to yourself, was that a smile? Is he smirking right now? Chances are, yeah, he's probably feeling real smug. He's probably feeling real smart that he's got you right where he wants you. And when you ask yourself, like, how could any rational person feel good about treating another person like that? You just have to remind yourself that they're not rational people. And if you're trying to use rational arguments with an irrational person, you're wasting your time, you know, and these abusive relationships, these covert abusive relationships start the way most abusive relationships start. They're loving, they're kind, they're charming. They give you gifts, they dote on you, they they draw you in, right? They tell you that you have the same hopes and dreams and the same interests and values and ideas. And then slowly over time, they gather all this information about you. They file it away in the back of their brain. And then later on, they start using that information against you. They start slowly letting their true values slip out. And they start using all this information that they've gained about you against you to make you feel dumb, to make you feel crazy, to make you feel wrong. If you always feel wrong, it's a sign that you need to really examine your relationship. Because in healthy relationships, one person is not always wrong. Another thing that covert abusers can do is play the victim. They play on your sympathy in order to get you to feel guilty, to feel like you're the one that's doing something wrong. Sometimes they were abused as a child. Sometimes they weren't. But a lot of them will say that and tell that to you as a way of making you feel sad for them, to make you feel like you can help them, you can heal them with, the, with enough love. Right? They can pretend that they don't like themselves. Oh, I'm so stupid. I can't believe I did that. But it's just a ploy to get you to feel bad for them because as soon as they gain your sympathy, they can absolve themselves of any guilt that they feel. They can make you feel like their feelings are your fault. You did something to make them feel that way. They say things like, you never appreciate me. I hear that a lot. I hear that my guy feels like I don't appreciate him. And I'm not sure what he means by that. Because when he says that, what it feels like he's saying is he's only going to feel appreciated if I do exactly what he says at all times. And that's not going to happen. And the last thing I wanted to touch on real quick is if your fights never seem to go anywhere and you never seem to be able to resolve them, he could be doing what they what they call like circular conversations. They repeat something a few minutes after you thought it had been resolved or they reword it in a different way and you end up keep talking about the same things over and over and over and you never really resolve anything or you never really get to the original point, you know, back to the original point of the, of the whole conversation. They can change the topic and shift it and derail it. One thing that my guy likes to do is if we're talking about an actual thing, he'll shift the conversation to the look on my face. Well, you just have this look on your face and I can tell when something's wrong. And, and what am I supposed to do when you're walking around looking like that? And so then our conversation goes into me defending my facial expressions instead of the real issue. These conversations feel more like competition than a conversation. A lot of times I end up feeling like, the only way this is going to get resolved is if I agree with his version of the events that happened. He won't talk about feelings or resolutions. He just wants me to agree with him that he's right all the time. And usually the thing that he wants me to agree to is very twisted and not even close to my what I'm experiencing as my reality. So I really hope that this was eye-opening for you. I know there was a lot here, a lot to unpack Um, But just know that if you feel like you're experiencing abuse, you probably are. 
If you're searching the internet for, is this abuse or am I in a toxic relationship? You probably are. And even if you're doing all the research you can possibly do and you're not finding exact examples of what you're experiencing, if you don't feel good, that's the only thing you need to be able to get out and get yourself safe because you are in control of your life. You are allowed to create the life that you want. You do not have to stay in a situation that is anything less than amazing if you don't want to. And even if you do want to get out of an amazing situation, you're free to do that too. If you are in an abusive relationship and it's not safe for you to leave, I really urge you to call domestic violence hotline. Uh, There's a a bunch of them out there. They're available 24 hours and they can help you develop a safety plan. They say leaving is the most dangerous time and most partners who are killed by their abusers, it happens when they're leaving or about to leave. So just be aware. Be aware that your gut feeling about whether you're safe or not is the best indicator about whether or not you are. There's no diagnostic tools. There's no quizzes online. There's no research. There is no indicator about how safe you are except for your own personal gut feeling because you know your partner better than anybody else. So keep that in mind. If you just need support, if you're in the middle of it, if you have already left your abuser and you just need some support to heal whatever stage of this game you're in, join us on the Facebook group Through the Fire. You can meet other people who are going through the same things as you. You can ask questions and get them answered. You can submit topics for the podcast. So maybe if you ask a question and it's a really good one and I get it a lot, I'll include it on the podcast You'll be able to chat with me directly and be able to get some support. You know, healing from this type of abuse is all about your support system. And so I really encourage you to join us on Facebook. Really just build up your friends, you know, be there for each other. Don't be afraid to reach out. I really look forward to meeting you guys and spending time with you in the Facebook group through the fire. Catch you next week.